we at the beginning we were thinking a little bit about um, what's our purpose in life. What's the biggest? You know, what's what are, what are we meant to? Who are we meant to be? What are we meant to be doing? Um, actually, the the question I think that's probably even more important than what we think is um, is what God thinks. And actually, what is God's purpose for each one of us? What's His ultimate purpose for each one of us? Because if we grasp that, I think um, we uh, we're not listening. Now, let me give you a clue. Okay, I'll give you a clue to start with. Um, I'll just read out a, a verse from Jeremiah 17, and it says this. The human heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's my clue. <laughs> as you look around the world today, as you listen to the news, as you see what's happening, and what has always happened with this world, you do sense, don't you, there's something seriously wrong. There's something seriously wrong in our world. And then when you stop from all your busyness and you perhaps in a time of quiet and you look within, you recognise, yeah, there's something not quite right with me. We often don't understand ourselves, we don't understand others, and we often also seem powerless to change ourselves. We keep on doing the same old thing. Even though sometimes we know, that's wrong, that's, that's hurting others, or that's even hurting me. But we seem powerless to change. But God's greatest desire, and his ultimate purpose for you and me, is radical transformation. Radical transformation. That's his ultimate purpose for every man and woman on this earth, and for you and for me. And to make us like his son. That's his ultimate purpose. It's the reason why Jesus was sent into the world, to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness and bring us into his kingdom of light. And it's a transformation that's meant to begin on earth, and amazingly, it's going to be complete when we see him one day face to face. So we have that certainty, the scripture tells us. So it's, it, it's quite amazing. Now, how does that transformation occur is a fairly important question, and Psalm 1 gives us a very clear steer as to how that occurs. And what Psalm 1 is going to tell us as we come to it is that actually the word of God is crucial for our transformation. And it's much more than just knowing God's word and understanding it. It's experiencing God's word, the power of God's word, to transform you. It's no good just knowing God's word. You need to do that. It's a start, but actually what we all need is to experience God's power working through his word to actually transform us. So over the summer, as has been mentioned, we're going to be looking at the book of Psalms, which is fantastic, uh, in our series called Songs for Life. I want to call it Songs in the Key of Life. Now, see, there's some people who are smiling about that. I, I talked to a couple of people before the service, they went... What's that? <laughs> so you have to probably go back a while, but um, you can talk to me later, but it's probably Stevie Wonder's best album, my favourite album. But uh, if I call it Songs in the Key of Life, you'll understand. But um, The Psalms are a collection of about 150, there are 150 Psalms, and they're often called the Prayer Book of the Bible, and it's various different authors that, that write it. They kind of spread over about a thousand years. It's quite a long 
period of time they cover. And in it, you hear God's people kind of crying out to God. Um, they're crying out in desperation for rescue, or, or they're, they're crying out for wisdom, or, or times they're coming in confession. And, and in the kind of subsequent you know, uh, millennia, over the years, God's people have always gone back to the Psalms when they've needed in comfort, when they needed encouragement. And during you know, difficult and painful times, and I, I know how I, I have. It's interesting, when I was younger, the Psalms, eh. but as you get older, you think, oh, the Psalms, I need the Psalms. So, so people over the years have gone there for comfort and encouragement in difficult times. And often what you notice about the Psalms is that in, what happens normally is they usually start with trouble, distress, often a complaint. Someone's complaining to God about something. And, but they often then turn to praise. And, and that's why um, they're often, actually in the Hebrew Bible, it's called the Book of Praise, which is interesting, isn't it, in Hebrew? Um, and part of the, um, the Psalms also form songs, which are called songs of ascent, that were actually used in the temple during worship, which, you know, maybe that's our series title came from, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so the Psalms are really a nice collection of prayers and, and songs of praise to God. Psalm 1 is like that. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 1 is, is different. It's not a prayer. It's not a song. Uh, and it's no accident that it sits right at the beginning as a, as a prologue to the Psalms. So um, as we've gone through, and, you, and, and maybe you've got your app there and you've got your Bible, you, you can kind of turn and, and look at that Psalm 1. If you, if, you, if you look at Psalm 1, and if it's up on the screen, maybe, I don't know, um, you'll notice there's a focal point in the Psalm 1, absolute focal point around which everything else seems to turn. And that focus is on those that delight and meditate on God's law. That's, that's the focus of, of, of the psalm. So why is meditation on God's word so important? The reason is that when we meditate on God's word, it unlocks the power of God's word in our lives. That The Holy Spirit be, you know, begins to renew our minds, capture our imagination, start changing our heart's desire. There's a, uh, a quote by, uh, I, I'm in my office, you need to come into my office. Um, it's not the most tidy office in the world. Isn't I have these binges when I'll tidy this. And we were chatting about this this morning. But in my office, I have certain things, certain quotes I've got pinned up that I look at most days or, or remind me. And this is a quote from um, a guy called R.C. Sproul. Um, and it's a good quote. And it's kind of relevant to what we're talking about now. And it says, I think the greatest weakness in the church today is that almost no one believes that God invests his power in the Bible. Everyone is looking for power in a program, in a methodology, in a technique, in anything and everything but that in which God has placed it, his word. He alone, he alone has the power to change lives for eternity, and that power is focused on the scriptures. So the reason why meditation is so important is because it unlocks that power in our lives. And we're going to come on and think about that um, in a little bit. So the psalmist is already indicating to us the word of God is, is essential for us to live rightly, to flourish, uh, and, and to be transformed. But also, he's, the reason why Psalm 1 is, is sitting there right at the beginning of the, the Psalms 
is the psalmist is also telling us that meditation in God's word is the correct preparation uh, to come into prayer and praise with God. So that's, that's, that's a bit of an introduction to you there. So we should be coming carefully into God's word, following meditation on God's word. So before we look at what it means to meditate on God's word, um, let's just look at what Psalm, uh, Psalm 1 tells us what happens in the absence of God's word. In the absence of God's word in our lives, we're going to be exposed to the negative influences of the world and our sinful nature, and we're going to be in a difficult place, actually a dangerous place. This is what Psalm, Psalm 1 is telling us. If you notice, there's a progression. It's talking about walking or standing and then sitting. There's a progression. That represents the whole of life. We might want to go back a, a little bit to... Um, Verse, uh, verse 1. Here we go. Yeah. And then verse 2. You can flick around. <laughs> I can't see what you're doing. <laughs> um, but there's a, there's a progression. But the whole idea of walking, standing, sitting, it represents the whole of life. That's what he's talking about. And those that walk in step with the wicked, he talks about. Now, this isn't wicked like in cool. No, we, we've changed that. Oh, that's wicked. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean cool. What it means is lawless. Okay? Lawless. In other words, these are people who are living and acting as if there is no lawgiver. There is no law. They're actually living as if there's no God. That's, that, that's what it means. So when you're walking in step with the lawless or the wicked, you're living your life as if there's no God. And, and, and as we read later on in the, in the psalm, that's a very dangerous place to be. But then... The focus changes to walk in the step with the wicked, but then, and then um, stand in, in the way sinners take. What, what does that mean, but the way sinners take? Well, that's all to do with the habits of our lives, the people's habits and how they live. And what does that look like? What, what does that like? What, what's he referring to? What does that look like? Well, the best description I know in Scripture is in Galatians, where... Basically, Paul says in Galatians 5, the way sinners take are obvious. And then he lists this, this long list of sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the way sinners take. Well, what happens next? What about sitting in the company of mockers? You see, after an attitude of lawlessness, living as if there is no God, after a lifetime of living a sinful life, of, of actually habits in your life which are destructive for you and destructive for others, the psalmist says you, you, you arrive at a state where you'll even mock and ridicule and show contempt for God and his word, which, again, is a really dangerous place to be, isn't it? These are the dangers of living a life away from the word of God. You're susceptible to all that goes on in the world, and you're susceptible to your sinful nature. There's nothing countering that. And Titus 1 tells us, to the pure, all things are pure but to the corrupt or those who are being corrupted, 
Nothing is pure. And you see that in life. You see that in individuals. And if you're not careful, you can see that in your own life if you're not making sure, you're making sure your life has the word of God in it. You see, the point is that we need to be meditating on God's word habitually, hence the, the day and night reference. So habitually, we're meditating on God's word. And so that's going to protect us from lawless attitudes, from the habitual sinful behaviors, and then even treating God ultimately with contempt. Rather, we'd be blessed if we meditate on God's word. Blessed. Now, blessed is an interesting word, and it's kind of difficult to define. And I've always, over the years, not really found a great definition for it. But it, it's sort of like you'd be completely happy and content, and, and, and your life is bubbling up with, with kind of deep-hearted gladness. It's kind of, you know, that's the, it, there's no real kind of great translation from how it's used um, in, in, the, in the original languages. But it's, it's the same term that's referred about God himself. Completely happy and content. A life bubbling up with deep, hearty gladness. That's the alternative. And actually, you know, the, the psalmist gives a lovely picture, doesn't he? That person's going to be like a tree planted by streams of water. It's a wonderful picture. If we, if we meditate on God's word, our lives are going to be fruitful, and they're going to be resilient as well. It doesn't matter what life throws at us. It doesn't really matter the storms of life that may come into our lives, whether it's our health, whether it's things happening to people around us, or there's scarcity in our life. They won't intimidate us, and they won't prevent us from being fruitful. So to meditate on God's word not only makes us resilient to those negative influences that occur in the world and also in our sinful nature, it also positively impacts us to be transformed people and to be the people we're meant to be. So as R.C. Sproul said, God has invested his power in his word. And, and we're meant to experience that in our lives you know, his word has created power. We, we have a God who calls things that aren't as if they are, and they spring into existence. We have a creator, a God who has creative, creative power. We have God who has resurrection power. And we need that in our lives if we're going to live lives that please him and also can be used by him. So... Um, one of the things I, I, I think we, we, you know, when we think about God's word, I mean, God's word in itself is a, is a huge study. We, we, could, we could spend months and months just focusing on what God's word is like, the Bible, and, and, and refocus and try and understand that. And we obviously don't have time for that. Um, and I want, to, I want to come back and focus on what it is to meditate on God's word because that's, I think, really important. Um, but God's word does describe itself in multiple places about what it's like, God's word, and I think I'll, I'll touch on a few of them because I think they're helpful to understand the impact God's word can have on us. So God's word will tell us often, um, it describes it as, as a lamp to our feet, uh, a light in darkness, but there are four specific things the Bible talks about itself that I'm just going to touch on, I think are important. In James 1, we read, anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he, looks, what he looked like. 
So the word of God, as we come to it, can act like a mirror. And it can show us what we're really like. And that truth sometimes is painful. But it's meant to have a purpose. Because it's meant to drive us to Christ. It's meant to draw us near to God so that we can receive his grace and his mercy. But the word of God will, if you read it, it'll act like a mirror. Hebrews 4, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the word of God can also be like a sword in our lives. It can challenge us. It can correct us. I mean, you can't, you, you have to, in any relationship, you've got to be allowed to be contradicted, aren't you? If, if you have a relationship where you never, you can never be contradicted, you don't need to have a relationship, do you? And as you have a relationship with God, God will use his word to contradict us, to challenge our thinking, to renew our minds, and, and to put us on the right path. And God also says about his words in, in Jeremiah, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. So God's word can be like a fire in our lives. If we expose our lives to God's word, it'll burn up all that which defiles, all that that's really corrupting us, all that that's really pulling us down, if we expose ourselves to that, to that fire. Or... If we've got a, a proud and stubborn heart and we're reading God's word, it, it'll break us. It'll break it down. All with the purpose, again, of drawing us nearer to him. So God's word not only challenges us, and I've talked about some challenging things here, but what it also does, it encourages us and gives us what we need. So I know next week, um, Oz is going to preach on Psalm 19. We discovered this yesterday. I said, oh, that's good, because I'm going to talk about Psalm 19 today. And he went, what? <laughs> but, but I'm just going to touch on a couple of things but in the way that the Word of God um, builds us up. So in Psalm 19, we, we, we read these wonderful things. It talks about God's word, word being perfect, refreshing the soul. Refreshing the soul. Or it being trustworthy, making wise the simple, or it being right, giving joy to the heart and light to the eyes. So when, we, when we're drained and tired and we need refreshment, when, when we're struggling to choose carefully some life-affirming choices in our lives, we don't really know what we should be doing. When we need understanding, where do you go? Where do I go? At one point in uh, King David's life, his life was at risk, his men were going to kill him. They had lost everything. And we're told he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he received refreshment. And he received wisdom. And then he was able to move forward with confidence. Wow. He went off, and you can read the, you can read the story. I think it's to Samuel. But he went from absolute utter um, des desolation and yet he said he encouraged himself in the Lord and he received refreshment and wisdom of what to do next. And he went off in confidence. But where do we go when we need those things? And yet it's, we're meant to go to God's word. God's put it there for us. So, okay, let's come back to think about meditation because this is where the, the hub, I think, of, of when I think um, I want to, sh to share with you today 
of something I think that's, that's so important um, for us to really grasp. Now, when you think about meditating, you can meditate on anything, can't you? You can meditate on a flower. You can meditate on something in creation. You can meditate on, oh, what's just happened to me? Or what happened in that situation? And that can be really, really useful. I'm, I'm a terror for not reflecting. You know, like, any bouncing ball I'll chase, but you ask me to sit down and reflect on what's just happened, I'll go, oh, I'll struggle. Yeah, that's just my personality. But you can meditate on anything. You can, and, and, and actually, sometimes meditating on what's just happened to you and what's going on in your life can be really, really helpful. But what the psalmist is trying to tell us here is the fuel for our meditation should be the word of God. If we are to know transformation, the fuel of our meditation needs to be the word of God so that we can know transformation. But, so, so what is meditating on God's truth? What, what is it? How do you do it? Well, first of all, I'll give you a couple of definitions and then we'll have a little practice together. <laughs> and then at the end, remind me, because I've given you, I've got some little homework for you to do as well uh, to, to, to help you and help me. So meditation is, is recounting in our minds. It's going over. It's contemplating. It's thinking about God and his word in God's presence using a specific piece of scripture. Recounting, going over, contemplating in God's presence. So what happens, this is what happens, this is, the, this is the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word. You begin to experience and sense the power of God rather than just understanding it. So you begin to experience and sense the power of God rather than just understanding what the words are saying. Now it could be that you're in a very difficult situation in your life. And you're anxious and you're fearful about what comes next. And we've all been there and we'll all be there multiple times again. It's just happened to being human. Yeah? But what if you came to, uh, to Philippians 4 and you meditated on Philippians 4, which says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now you can read that, and you can understand what it's saying, and still fail to experience it. So maybe as you come to meditate on, if you were to meditate on, on this piece of scripture, knowing that you're anxious, knowing that you're fearful, maybe you'd begin to start thinking about the fact that the God of the universe, the almighty God, wants me to bring him my problems. Isn't that amazing? And you think about it, and you meditate on that, what that actually means. Maybe you think about God's greatness. You think about his ability, and that he cares for you. And you begin to imagine that, think about that, contemplate that, and it begins to capture your heart. And it starts to become real in your heart. Now, what that means then is that you can start living as if it's true. That he is able, and he does care for you, and his peace will start to flood your heart. 
But that's not meditation. If you just read things, which you need to do because you need to understand what's there. But if you're not meditating on God's words, sometimes I think we, um, we lose all that God wants to do in and through us as the Holy Spirit works with our hearts. So maybe you're struggling with acceptance. You're even struggling to like yourself. Maybe you're caught up with what happened to you in the past. Maybe you're caught up with how you're behaving now. And you read Colossians 2, which says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And you stop right there. And you think, Holy Spirit, let me understand this. Make this applicable in my, in, in my life. How and why did God choose me? And you contemplate that. You think about that. And then all of a sudden you're stuck by an amazing idea. God chose me. Your wise, all-powerful God chose me. And then you move on to the other amazing truth that he now sees you as holy because of what Jesus has done. So you've got nothing to prove. There's nothing for you to do. You're accepted. And on top of that, he dearly loves you. You see, even if you grasped dimly those truths, if I grasped those truths dimly, what impact it would have on my life and the way I live and the things I do. That comes through meditation on God's word. You have to meditate. You know, this sermon is for me as much as you guys, so you know, don't feel I'm, I'm anywhere special on, on that. You see, there's a big difference between informative reading, so you go to university and you're reading lots of stuff because you want to be informed. It's different between informative reading and formative reading. See, informative, if in, in informative reading, you're coming along and you're asking questions of the Bible. But when you meditate, you get formative reading and the Bible starts asking questions of you. And how we, you know, when we meditate on God's word, that allows God, God's word to kind of read us, change us and challenge us and transform us. Tim Keller once said, and, I, I, and whenever I preach, I always have a Tim Keller quote, as you know. Oh, it's getting a bit of a joke in our house. Um, Tim Keller said, when we let our hearts sense the truth, rather than just understanding it, we've begun to meditate. Meditation is bringing God's truth into contact with the human heart so that the triune God becomes so real to us that we seek him with all our heart. So it's the activity of meditating on God's word that allows us not to be negatively influenced by all that's going on in this world and not drawn into what's going on in this world and also not to be negatively influenced by that sinful nature that we still have within us. But it allows us to become the people that we're meant to be and to transform by God's truth. Let me just, just pause for a second. Let me ask the question, what's influencing your life now? What's really influencing your life? If we were to have a, a week's you know, video crew in you know, doing a, one of those documentaries where they do, where they kind of like see what's going on in your life, what's really spending your, where are you spending your time? I mean, is it your friends who are influencing you? Is it the circumstances you're, you feel you're in? Are those the things that are really influencing you? Or is it everything you watch on Netflix or Prime or Apple or I can't believe all the different things. We've got, we even got Disney Plus. Um, 
Or is it the news that you always listen to every morning? Because I'm a big news addict. Um, or is it stuff you're downloading on your PC? Who and what do you allow to influence you? You see, I think the degree to which we allow the word of God to influence us is the degree to which we experience that his power within our lives to change. And Psalm 1 is telling us the person who meditates on God's word is like a tree planted by streams of living water that yield its fruit in, in season. And God's ultimate purpose for you and me is the transformation, a radical transformation to make us like the Lord Jesus. I'll just, I'll just finish with this. St. Augustine uh, once said, and it's a lovely quote, truth is like a lion. You don't need to defend it. You just need to let it loose. Truth is like a lion. You don't need to defend it. You need to just let it loose. Question to you and me. Do you let the truth of God's word loose in your life? In your thought life, in your relationships, in your conversations, in your habits, in your activities. Do you let the word of God loose in your life? Meditation, the psalmist says, is the way to let the lion loose in your life. And it won't feel safe and it won't feel easy, a way to live. But look at the alternative. And it'll have eternal consequences for you and for those around you. Now, as I mentioned, a little bit of homework. So, how are we doing? Have time, you right? A um, little bit of homework for you. Now, I've done this in the past. I've done it a few times in the past on this bit of, of the scripture. But it's, it's definitely worth doing that. Um, maybe you're... Maybe you're people who, you know, an individual who always meditates on God's word, and you're like a tree planted by streams of water, and you're fruit, and, and that's fantastic. But maybe you're here today, and meditation hasn't really been part of your experience as you come to God's word. So this is just um, a little bit of homework to try. If you go to Galatians 5, um, 22, you can you can get you can do it, uh, look at it now, or you can you can um, you can do it when you do you get home. We'll try this week. And, and, and do this only for 20 minutes. Yeah? Just do this for 20 minutes. Um, and you read Galatians 5, and it's all about the fruits of the Spirit, which really is the character of God, or the character of Jesus, and what God is actually trying to do in our lives. And it says, as you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what I'd say to you to do is start by thinking about all the ways God shows, and then just go through the first one, love. How has he demonstrated his love? How does he demonstrate his love to you? And then go through all those different things and just think about each of those uh, wonderful descriptions, aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And then think about yourself. How am I uh, demonstrating love? How am I demonstrating joy How am I, and go through, through that as well and, and I, I'll tell you now it's, it's such a life affirming and life changing experience so I recommend you, you have a go at that maybe you don't like those verses you want to pick another verse but have a go at practicing meditation because it's the way to release God's power in your life to transform you okay let's, let's pray Father we just thank you for uh, today we just thank you again for your word help us to take your word seriously Help us to be those that uh, meditate upon it and help us to be those that experience uh, your power to change us and transform us. And we'd ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.